Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One aspect of Stoic ethics that many people approaching it for the first time, or just beginners in it, find particularly difficult to grasp is what the Stoics called the entire realm of indifference. And the fact that indifference could in fact have some value, they could be preferred or they could be rejected. There's different ways of translating this without having goodness or badness within them. Sometimes people think the Stoics are just juggling with words. And that's in fact, one of the criticisms that gets made of Cato and the Stoics in Cicero's On the Ends, not only in book three, but in in other places. But the Stoics wanted to resist calling a whole host of things genuinely good or bad. And they wanted to reserve the terms good and bad just for what they regarded as being genuinely or fully good and bad. So they used this term indifferent, adiaphora, for the entire realm of things that could have some value, but they don't have the value of goodness or badness. They could be useful or harmful. There's a whole bunch of other things. They could be reasonable or unreasonable, but they're not genuinely good or bad. So I've got this schema that replicates what the Stoics talked about and how they in fact treated these things. Let's take a look at what we've got on both ends. On the one end, genuine goodness, the Stoics included the morally right, the honestum in Latin, and the virtues. And moral rightness and the virtues are essentially the same thing. The virtues being, for the Stoics, primarily justice, courage, temperance, and wisdom. There are a lot of other sub-virtues underneath them as well. They also included in this discussion a friend as somebody who's productive of goodness. And wisdom is, is something that is both goodness for its own sake, but also productive of goodness. Then on the other end, way, way at the other extreme are the opposites of these, right? The morally wrong, the turpe, the word that we get turpitude from, an old fashioned way for saying somebody is terrible or disgusting, right? And the vices, the vices are the opposites of the virtues. The vices are injustice, or unrighteousness, if you like, uh, which would also include, since justice includes benevolence, it would include malevolence, doing harm to other people for its own sake, rather than helping them. Cowardice, which also would include rashness, intemperance, or lack of moderation when it comes to the appetites and desires. And of course, folly or foolishness, the opposite of wisdom. Now, at both of these extremes are to be found happiness, eudaimonia, and misery. The Stoics held that the only things that really make us happy or miserable are the things that are genuinely bad or good. So you want to be happy, you have to be virtuous. You have to cultivate the virtues. 
You want to be, well, nobody wants to be unhappy, but if you want to avoid being unhappy, you'd better give some thought to not developing those vices, right? And everything else in between is, strictly speaking, indifferent. It doesn't, how is it indifferent? It doesn't make a difference to whether you are happy or virtuous or whether you are miserable and vicious. No amount of these preferred or rejected indifference can change your condition. If you are virtuous, it doesn't matter in some respect, whether you're wealthy, healthy, it doesn't matter if you're wise, of course, because that's one of the virtues. But good looks, you can be completely virtuous and terribly ugly. That is in fact one of the rejected indifference. And it's not going to change you being virtuous or thereby being happy according to the Stoics. This is a very counterintuitive notion uh, when you think about it in terms of how we comport ourselves in the world today. And it was a counterintuitive notion even in the Stoics' own time. They found themselves having to invent new vocabulary just to make this point. Let's talk now about this whole realm of the indifference. They're not without value. Some have positive value. It's just not the kind of value that you can add up to produce moral goodness. Some of them do, in fact, have negative value just not the kind of negative value that is automatically going to make you vicious and unhappy as a result. If you are made unhappy by these, it's likely because you're also vicious. So what are they? He gives a number of examples, Cato in book three, and many of these can be paired off against each other. Wealth versus poverty, right? It's good for buying things when you have money or you have property or you have income credit even, right? And poverty, you think about lack of good credit in our own time and the hindrances that that creates for people and or the additional entrances into further poverty that it creates for people. But those are strictly speaking indifferent. Bodily health, it's a good thing, except the Stoics wouldn't say it's good. It's a preferred indifferent, right? Same thing with illness, a rejected indifferent. Honor or disgrace, same thing. Good looks versus ugliness, having your senses in good condition. The Latin there is actually uh, the word that we get integral from, being whole, being healthy. So being able to see well, you know, maybe needing glasses is actually a rejected indifferent, although having my glasses is a preferred indifferent. If I lose my glasses, I'm kind of screwed. I mean, I can see the camera, but it's, it's kind of a blur. All of those sorts of things are, are good examples. Pleasure or freedom from pain, that's a preferred indifferent. Pain, bodily pain, mental trouble, those are rejected indifference. And when we use these terms preferred and rejected, we are saying that they do have some sort of value. They just don't have the kind of value that generates moral goodness or moral badness or evil, if you like. So let's look a little bit closer now at this term that's being used. Preferred is a term that the Stoics are coming up with in Greek. Zeno is writing in Greek as are really everybody up until Cicero. <laughs> And prohegmenon means led before, led in, in front of, or if you like, advanced or set in a state of eminence, you could say. So he gives the example of a king and a king's court. You don't call the king preferred because the king is at the top level. The king is the one who makes the decisions. The king has the greatest dignity. The king has the greatest rank or eminence. So the king would be corresponding to the good here, right? And then the thing that's preferred is something that is 
advanced, like a counselor. The counselor is not necessarily of royal blood, but he or she is brought forward by the king almost to the point where they can act in the king's place in order for you know the court to operate properly, right? Because the king isn't going to be everywhere. There are other concerns and functions going on. So that's one way to understand it. Another metaphor that he gives, he's talking about throwing knuckle bones, right? Knuckle bones are essentially dice. So you're trying to throw it so it stands upright in a particular way. It happens to fall that way. Getting it to stand upright in the right way would be the equivalent of the good, but just happening to fall in that way would be the equivalent of the preferred indifferent. Another way that perhaps helps us understand this a little bit better, but it, it does appeal to a concept that's quite complex within the Stoic ethics, is that preferred indifference are in some way in accordance with nature. And rejected indifference, apohegmon, those that are being sort of led away, those are against nature in some way or not in accordance with nature in some way. And you can think about this. Pain is a great example. Now, in a certain sense, you can say that any pain that you experience is in accordance with nature because it's part of the way the universe works. You know, poke yourself in the eye, you're going to feel pain. But you shouldn't be poking yourself in the eye, right? And pain is usually a signal that something is going wrong in some way with the bodily organism that you have. Whereas freedom from pain could be something, you know, that is in accordance with nature. And we can go on and on and on. Now, there's a third distinction that gets made or a third explanation. And this is particularly important. And it's even going to lead us to a little bit of a disagreement among the Stoics. So we have things that are preferred for their own sake. What would be examples of those? Cato gives the example of good looks or a good expression on the face, a certain expression, a certain way of looking. We could probably also say that pleasure fits in there as well. Why do we prefer pleasure? Because it's pleasant. We enjoy it, right? Then there's some that are preferred on account of something else which it produces. And wealth is the prime example of this. Why do you want money? If you want money just for the sake of having money, there's something wrong with that reasoning process because money is for buying things. Money is for producing things. Money is for getting things done. And it doesn't really have any value by itself other than that. Yeah, I mean, you can say, well, you can exchange it with somebody else for something else, or you can use it to invest. Well, that's all ultimately going to be about somebody getting something out of it. And it's going to be some preferred indifferent that they're getting out of it, right? Or avoiding some rejected indifferent. You might say that some of these other things like healthy senses could be understood as just productive, but actually they would probably fit into this third category where it's for both reasons. And Cato gives the example of health saying that health is preferred not just for its own sake, but also because it is productive of other things. If you're healthy, then you're also probably going to be able to enjoy pleasure. You're probably going to look better. You're going to have freedom from pain. You know, we could go on and on and on. And we could think about the senses. We, we enjoy using the senses, but they're also productive. They help us to do other things as well. And there's a very interesting discussion here about, you know, fame or glory. 
He says, Chrysippus and Diogenes used to say that aside from any practical value it may possess, you know, like the fact that your famous gets you into a restaurant, for example, it is not worth stretching a finger out for, and I strongly agree with them, which would mean that it would be in the class of the productive, right? The second class here. And then he says, on the other hand, their successors declared that good fame was preferred and desirable for its own sake, and that a person of good breeding and liberal education would desire to have the good opinion of his parents and relatives and of good people in general, and that for its own sake and not for any practical advantage. So they were locating it in the first class. So you have a disagreement here within the Stoic school about precisely where to class some of these indifference. But they are saying that fame or honor is in the class of the preferred. The only question is, why is it in there? And you can similarly say something, although Cato doesn't go into this, about the rejected indifference. Some of them we reject for their own sake. We don't want to feel pain, for example, right? Some of them we reject because they are productive of other things. Poverty is productive of a whole bunch of other deprivations. Illness, you know, perhaps we reject for its own sake and also because it's also productive of other things like, say, poverty or ugliness or bad senses or pain. And I think you could similarly say that the Stoics might have a disagreement about disgrace. Why is disgrace negatively valued? It could be because it's um, negatively valued for its own sake, or it could be because it, it leads to other sorts of problems. You know, think about if you become a pariah in social media, the fact that you might get fired and lose your, your job and no longer have any money, or it may cause you pain in other respects. So we have this entire realm of the indifference, which do in fact matter to some degree. The one thing we haven't talked about is, is there anything that's genuinely indifferent? And Cato doesn't talk about this here, but the Stoics did believe that there were some things that were totally indifferent. One of the examples that you'll find elsewhere in Diogenes Laertes and in Arius Didymus' Epitome of Stoic Ethics is the number of hairs upon a person's head. Really quite a matter of indifference. Now you might say, well, if somebody's going bald, maybe they would actually care very much about that sort of thing. But that would be because they're interested in that because of good looks, not because of the, the sheer number of hairs on one's head. And we can think of other things that are genuinely indifferent. So you can see that the Stoics, they say that there's good and there's bad, and then everything else is in the middle, but the stuff in the middle really does matter and can be positively or negatively valued. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.